Wishing happy birthday to a very special man today. Welcome to Hand Pod. Diego Maradona's birthday. Um, it's uh, Wednesday that we're recording on this week. Uh, the that says 29th on my watch, but it's the 30th, isn't it? Yep. Um, uh, happy 53rd, Diego, if you're listening. I'm sure that you, you definitely will be. We're here as ever. I'm Sam Kelly, and this is uh, Santiago. Hello, everyone. Whose living room we are sitting in, and we're joined this week by Andres. Hello. And welcome to the 123rd episode of Hand of Pod. If I sound a little bit stuffed up, by the way, because I am a little bit stuffed up, uh, there's nothing more sinister to it than that. Um, So I'm going to be relying on these two to do most of the talking this week. Uh, We have two rounds of exciting Torneo Inicial action to get through. uh, In fact, pretty varying excitement. Um, But the first match that we need to talk about, if we can remember back this far... Um, because it was two rounds ago was Rosario Central's 2-1 victory over Newell's Old Boys in the Clásico Rosarino which we uh, two weeks ago were, were previewing in this very room uh, in the last Hand of Pod episode we didn't have them last week because there was a midweek round well it, was, it wasn't really midweek but we'll get on to that a yeah. bit later um, I think it was the most exciting Clásico that we've seen obviously um, it hasn't been played for a long time around three years but even before that, it used to be just very boring ties. I, I think I spoke about this in the last hub. And this was definitely a change from that very exciting match. Uh, I think Newell's deserved better. But um, Rosario, I think, played to Newell's flaws and had a great win. Newell's dominated the first half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, completely. It was 2-1 to Central at half-time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was 2-1 right. to Central, uh, one goal by Encina. Yes, uh, Alejandro Donati opened the scoring fairly early on. Maxi mm-hmm. Rodriguez equalised uh, with a fine, Beautiful goal. fine yeah. goal a few minutes later. And then Hernan Encina, uh, who was the only player on the pitch, he was the only player in either starting lineup who'd already scored in a previous Rosario Clásico, apparently, um, got what turned out to be the winner 28 minutes in. Um, but Newell's really should have been home and dry by half-time. Yeah, I think Newell's... I've been seeing Newell's matches and I've also seen them on the pitch and I really think that they're missing a number nine, that they have the ball for the longest time and at the end of the match they showed possession and it was something like 65% for Newell's and 35% for Central. So it's always having the ball and not being exactly sure what to do with it. It turns out that sometimes they do 12 passes like they did in the last match against Codoy Cruz and they score. But if they can't manage to do that kind of string string a few plays and pass the ball into the net then there's nothing else that they can manage so it's very strange to which end in fact they're talking because we may as well mention now that Newell's subsequent match um, was a 1-1 draw against Godoy Cruz in which really with the chances that they had and the dominance they had they should have been 3 nil up at half time once again Um, they were only 1-0 up at half time and Godoy Cruz got an equaliser in the second half Um, to which end, Newell's are now talking about uh, putting David Trezeguet in the starting lineup this coming weekend and dropping uh, Fabian Munoz, mm-hmm. um, who almost plays a kind of false nine for them. Um, so we'll see what difference it makes. But I mean, they haven't failed to win three in a row this year. Mm-hmm. Um, they've already they failed to win the last two with the Clásico and then drawing against Godoy Cruz, and suddenly the chasing pack are uh, catching up on them. Um, but the Classico as an event, I mean, on TV, we all, we all just saw it on TV, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Nobody was there. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It, it was, was very interesting. First Rosario Classico that's been plowed, the first competitive one since I moved it. Um, so mm-hmm. it was a novelty for me to be able to watch it on TV rather than on the internet as well, yeah. which, which was nice. Did you mention Fabio Munoz? Uh, I, I heard today that uh, Bertie will keep him on the starting line. Ah, uh, really? Okay. Yes, yes. Uh, so Trezeguet uh, will have to wait uh, again in the bench, uh, waiting for him to, to, to jump into the pitch. 
It has to be said, Newell's have got a slightly easier um, yeah. fixture this coming weekend. They're away, but they're away yeah, to Colón, who have not scored a goal in seven matches. Um, Colón's run without goals is the fourth longest in the history, in professional at least, history of the Argentine First Division. Uh, if they get to the, I think, it's 16th minute of their match against Newell's without scoring, uh, they will overtake Newell's themselves and go third. Um, and if they manage to make it to the 54th minute without scoring, it will be the second longest run ever in the Argentine Primera um, without a goal. They have not scored in seven and a, seven matches, almost exactly. It's very obvious how they depend. They used to depend on Gigliotti. Now that Gigliotti is there anymore, now it, it used to be like a yes, bad yes. team plus Gigliotti, and now it's just a bad team. And Gigliotti scored in every match. He was uh, that Bianchi was convinced. Uh, finally, to put him in the starting lineup, and I think it was seven, seven out of seven. Row, right? Yeah, seven in seven matches, seven goals. Yeah, Ole is going on about how that's a record that not even Palermo, not even mm. Barasho can manage because he's scored, I think, seven matches in a row and on his first seven matches in the starting lineup. And five of them were consecutive goals. He mm-hmm. was the only player to score for Boca for five, five straight, not, not five straight games, but five straight goals um, as well, which, which included, of course, the winner against the Super Classica in the Super Classica against River um, a few weeks ago. Um, Newells are still three points clear um, at the, the top of the table. They've still got San Lorenzo and Arsenal to play. It's, they've still, if they win those matches, then they only need three points from the other four games um, this season to, to win the championship I believe um, they're still favourites to win the title right in spite of this slump are they not yeah yeah, yeah. I reckon they are Arsenal and still uh, if they lost Virginia's or three behind them uh, they, they drew and lost but still they have the possession they they still have very dynamic play possession based football so it's only a matter of time before they start uh, start winning again you always will get a slump but I think they're I think favorites. that in terms of, of how they, they try to play at least uh, uh, for me it's more like well uh, it's not that I like news to be the champions but uh, they look as they uh, continue playing uh, as as they play when Martino was uh, uh, the coach uh, but before the the, the Clásico uh, Rosario the Clásico against Rosario Central I think that they were even more clear the candidates and now they are like uh, the, 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 yes they are, they are leaders in the table still but uh, with Boca and well Boca San Lorenzo will be one of the matches mm-hmm. uh, clearly uh, this week that will of course uh, the, the news will like to uh, <coughs> San Lorenzo and Boca to, to get a draw so that they are at ease if they, well, they win the match they have but uh, I think that before the the, 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 the classical against Rosario Central, they were uh, even more clear candidates for, for to win the, the second consecutive title. Certainly, yeah. uh, Central have had a, a successful couple of weeks really, because as yeah. well as beating uh, Newell's um, on the 20th of October in the 13th round, um, they they got a, a curse off their back. 1981 was the last time that, that Rosario Central won the Clásico and then managed to follow it up with a win in the next match. Um, and they got a 1-0 win away to Belgrano, which was Belgrano's first home defeat of the season, I think, or something like that. Belgrano yeah. were about 10 matches unbeaten at home uh, prior to that. Um, it was great result, fortunate statistics-wise, but uh, it, was, it was very well-earned for them. As a result of which, they're, uh, they've shot up in the, in the relegation standings as well. Um, they're somewhere around mid-table obviously they need to, to keep doing well um, they can't just rely on having 18 points at the moment for the rest of the season um, but, but it's, it's good for them and it's very interesting for the relegation battlers we'll discuss in a bit title race wise as well but the other thing I wanted to point out is in both of these last two rounds only one of the top seven um, has managed to win their game both in the, in the uh, 12th round it is in fact only one of the top eight and in the 13th round, it was only one of the top seven. Um, in the 12th round, it was San Lorenzo, who got a very convincing 3-0 win over an all-boys side who were looking increasingly in trouble. Um, and in the 13th round, the side who managed to Boca. win were Boca, of course, yeah, who, who beat Colón 2-0, as everybody should be able to. 
um, as I think we'd be able to if we had to play Colón at the moment. Um, <coughs> part of the reason for this was that uh, Tigre handed Arsenal their first defeat of the season. In a, I don't know what you thought, Santi, but I thought yeah, it was a very entertaining was, match, actually. Uh, to be honest, I was watching the Clásico Rosarino, as, <laughs> as, as was everyone. <laughs> so I didn't really watch this one. From, from what I saw, it was, it was a decent match. Yeah, um, Arsenal pulled up a, a 1-0 at 20 minutes in the second half and everyone was thinking that okay, now well, Alfaro is going to close it. Tendous header from yeah. Caraglio from mm-hmm. a ridiculous angle. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah. Excellent. So that, you know, typical situation, Arsenal gets a 1-0 win and they lock the game. Nothing else happens until it finishes. So it's quite a shock to see Tigre actually scoring two goals in two minutes or something. I was watching, as I said, the, the classic yeah. Rosarino, but, uh, you know, yeah, you, you get a little... You get in the updates, and it was... Oh. I think that yeah. Arsenal players uh, thought, like, for me, Boca players thought when they played against uh, River that uh, it's, it's uh, well known that River has serious difficulties to, to not only score goals, so, uh, but to uh, get into the get to the goal and, and, and try to... To, cre- uh, to create clear options, goal options. So yeah. I think that, that perhaps Arsenal uh, uh, thought, well, okay, Tigre must score two goals uh, uh, in order to turn around the result, and they, well, finally did it. But uh, previously. They were expecting it, they, they yes. were a bit complacent, yes. definitely. Uh, Tigre, Tigre's goals scored, Colin Reeves, they've scored. That can't possibly be right, can it? No, no, yeah, it, it's not right, but I thought that was, that was fine. They've scored 10 all season in 16 matches, so. Uh, one fifth of the total came against Arsenal, who are a team who don't really concede very many. Um, so it was surprising, to say the least. Um, elsewhere, we had in round 12, uh, Vélez got a 1 0 win over Racing. That was fine. It was another defeat for Racing in Mostaza Merlo's first match in charge. Um, Sarate, Wells, Sarate seems to be getting into his rhythm. He does a bit, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, it's good to see. Yet again, scoring in the first 20 minutes of the match. Um, for the third match in a row, that was uh, Belgrano and River Plate drew nil nil because River Plate can't score goals and don't tend to concede them either. Um, so the, the match in which uh, the referee uh, gave a penalty for River and to River and River uh, uh, obviously, well, uh, in that case, Theo Torres uh, sent the ball <laughs> very very up. And, uh, yes, um, even when River get penalties, they they can't score. Uh, what's that? River, yeah. I think, likewise. Just like you were saying about Newell's, could uh, they yeah. do much better if they had a, just a, a centre forward? Yeah, um, but I reckon this is Ramon Diaz's mistake through and through because he should have kept one of the forwards that he should, let yeah. go at Carlos the beginning Luna. of the season. Carlos Luna, David Torres again, Rafael Mori, and the other one. But yes, um, one. Yeah, yeah, he let go. Many of them, he. I think in his mind, River was going to play four-two-three-one throughout the rest of the season, with just one forward. So he said, "Okay, my forward is Teo. I can have someone else like Simeone or Andrada, a kid, um, for you know, trying to to get him to play a couple matches as well. But my main guy is going to be Teo." And then he realized that's not not a, a, a strategy that is easy to pull off in Argentinian football because everything is different. This isn't the Bundesliga. Uh, it's a very different meta game, and he realized he needs to play with two forwards and because if you only have one, he's basically always gets caught in the offside trap. Mm. He easily gets marked by two defenders. Um, he can't mark anyone because he's the only guy trying to mark the defenders, and, and now he's paying for it. Basically. Absolutely, and it's not helped that Teo Gutierrez is being played as a winger, seemingly an awful lot of the time, bizarrely. I mean, he's being played as a centre-forward, but he, he keeps dropping wide all the time and swinging. Yeah, he needs to get a hold of the ball. To be on the end yeah. of. Mm-hmm. It's infuriating. Um, but anyway, we, we digress. We're not going to try not to talk too much about River um, <laughs> this week, although we do have another couple of matches that there's, of course, to mention later. Um, what else? Lanus sprang into life. Lanus either don't score at all or they score three or four goals every <laughs> match. It's quite bizarre looking at their, their record on Universal Football um, all the way down the season. Uh, they got a 3 0 win over Colón, um, who, as we say, everybody's beating. Argentinos beat Estudiantes, Kilmes drew with Rafaela 1 1. 
Um, Akadinos, the Studiantes, was a very bizarre match. It was nil-nil all over it, except for the fact that Daniel Michalba, another former River player who scores goals, um, hit an absolute rocket into the top corner from about oh, 35 yeah, yards um, in the middle of the first half. Yeah. And that was it. That was the only thing that happened. Yeah. The way he got rid of the, the defender, the, the one who was marking him, mm. and then the shot he put it in, into the angle was uh, really, I think that even he didn't expect yeah, uh, the goal he was going yeah. to, to score. But those kind of goals are pretty common on the Argentinos pitch because it's smaller and uh, I remember a Carbonero goal last season which was quite similar yeah, to yeah, that. That's true. Yeah, yeah exactly in the same uh, in the same goal. Mm. So I mean the the reduced uh, size of the Argentinos field helps you kind of take uh, the keeper by surprise with a long distance shot like well, that one. Maybe, but I mean. Mm. Who else has got a small pitch in the Premier? All boys' pitch is, is smaller. Yes. I think you see the odds. Yeah, smaller. Yeah, I think the well, as, one is the as, smallest. That's small. Um, Rafael is actually larger than I expected it to be. As is Kilmes, but one of these sides as well as uh, Tigres' pitch is, is fairly small. And Olimpos' pitch is tiny. You don't see many. Mm-hmm. Um, Olimpos, I think, is the smallest in the Premier at the moment. Um, and you don't see very many long range holes there. Yeah. But anyway, that, that springs to mind. Um, one thing that, that's been a running theme throughout these two rounds, in, we'll, we'll go through the, the scores in the 13th round first of all um, as well. Vélez got a 2-0 win over Argentinos. Um, I forgot to talk about Godoy Cruz and Bocas. No, well, I've, I've, <laughs> don't worry, that's, that's what we're going to be mentioning afterwards. Um, all boys and Tigre and then Atletico Rafaela and River Plate got 0-0 draws. Uh, Lanús again scored three goals um, and San Lorenzo only scored two. That was a fantastically entertaining match. Yeah. That was last Great. Wednesday. The reason that we said uh, uh, at the start of the show that it wasn't really a midweek round was that uh, there were elections in Argentina over the weekend. And uh, when there are elections, they're always held on a Sunday, and it is illegal to do anything that's fun um, in Argentina over that weekend. You can't drink alcohol uh, after 6 o'clock on Saturday or something, or it's not in public. You can't 8 p.m. In, you in, can in sell alcohol yeah. after eight, 12 hours before the... Precisely, and you absolutely can't play football or go and watch a football match. As and there was none. Get drunk at home. Indeed, yes, yeah. as, as I did, which is part of the reason that I've got a sore throat now. Um, Tuesday uh, was the Vélez Argentinos game. Then we had three games on on the Wednesday, which were the, the three I've just mentioned: All Boys nil, Tigre nil, Rafael nil, River nil, and Lanús three, San Lorenzo two. And then for some reason, there were no games on Thursday. <laughs> then they decided to have four on Friday, and then and two on Monday. So the match, the, the round of matches, kicked off a week ago, uh, not, eight days ago, as we record, nine days ago. By the time this is online, probably. Um, on Tuesday the 22nd of October and it finished on Monday the 28th <laughs> why couldn't they have stuck those two Monday matches on the Thursday anybody <laughs> know this I heard something about oh but that's the day that the political campaigning all has to end but I mean why does that mean you can't have football games Independiente played on the Thursday yeah no. in, the, in the B who knows um, utterly bizarre yeah more well, stupid we, we are talking about drunk people well you have a clear example here about mm. drunk people uh, yeah just pick the days out at random um, it was an incredibly drawn out round anyway uh, but then we had as we've mentioned already Central's uh, win over Belgrano we had Newell's being held or rather holding themselves almost against Godoy Cruz uh, Boca beating Colón with Gigliotti scoring against his old club and if I remember rightly he celebrated it didn't he? Uh, he, he, he started celebrating then he realised that it was Colón and didn't right. celebrate anymore <laughs> yes uh, Arsenal held uh, 1-1 by Gimnasia La Plata entertaining um, match it was an entertaining match um, five red cards Indeed, <laughs> which, which we're going to get onto in a second. And then on Monday, those were all on Friday, then on Monday we had Estudiantes uh, 1, Quilmes 0. Um, not much to say about that. Patricio Rodriguez scored a decent goal, apparently it was his first since last, last November, uh-huh. um, playing for Santos. Uh, so that's the kind of form that he's been in. Um, and then, the shock of the century, um, Olimpo have been proved recently. They, they managed to get four points from two away matches, uh, Previously, when everybody would have just predicted two defeats, I think, in those matches for them. They got back to Bahia Blanca, where, surprisingly, they were unbeaten um, until Monday. Um, they'd drawn four and only won one of their matches, but they were they set out to be difficult to beat there, and they, they'd achieved it. And they lost 1-0, two. There's only one team I've not mentioned in the 14th round. <laughs> Racing in the 13th round, sorry. Um, Racing have won a match, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. They've, they've more than doubled their points total. Prior to Monday, they had two points 
from uh, 12 matches. They've now got five points from 13 matches. Um, Bruno Suculini is the, the their top scorer of the season. He's got two goals. Um, and it was the 15th match overall they played this season because, of course, they played two matches against Lanús in the Copa Sudamericana as well, and they lost both of those. Um, so Reynaldo Melo is definitely the the man for Racing, yes. right? For at least the next five games, he's key. He's the key of the of the victory. But I think that Zuccolini, uh, when Don Racing played decently, when Zubeldia uh, was the coach, he used to 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 be in the box and he w- he's a non-typical number five or, or, or mid midfielder that only marks and, and, and uh, distributes the ball. He gets he forward also, a lot, doesn't he? Yes. He wears the number five. Yeah. He really plays much more like a number eight or, so, you know, box-to-box. Offensive box five, that's what we call it. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I like Zubelini. But like Racing, Racing looked all right. I mean, they didn't look spectacular. No, but it was... But, but yeah. yeah. There were a few matches where they were also all right. I mean, in, in a... 14-match-long streak of not winning. There's meant to be some matches where you aren't utter shit, but you still lose for bad luck. I think there were a few matches where Racing deserved at least a draw or maybe a a win for a short margin like this. Mm -hmm. But they finally finally managed to break the streak and... I, I think, think it was against Kilmes that the Gomez uh, scored a non goal, and that was the the, yeah. the only goal of the, of no, the I, match. I think it was the Antes, but yeah, there was definitely an own goal in the Yes, yeah, so yeah. Gomez or it might have been. Yeah. Um, in terms of the relegation battle, it's almost a bit of a shame that Racing uh, won that game because if Olimpo had won it, Olimpo would have jumped off the bottom of the relegation table. They'd have put Argentinos bottom, and Racing would have dropped below uh, Rafaela and would have only been three positions above or four positions above the, the relegation zone themselves um, it would have all got very nervous indeed yeah. I mean it still is going to get very nervous if Racing don't win the next match because the next match they've got is away to Gimnasia La Plata um, who have got a very strong home record indeed um, so Racing by no means out of the woods yet but they, they could have got up and running um, and now we must discuss the, the burning issue um, of the previous two rounds, which which was that, uh, as I wrote, uh, I wrote a piece for the bubble um, last week, an opinion piece, um, mentioning that when the temperature rises in Buenos Aires, as it is doing at this time of year, when, when the humidity starts to rise, you, you see a lot of people getting much more pissed off at each other in public than, than they normally are. Drivers get angrier, people crossing streets get angrier, you, you walk walk around in the micro centre and you see fights breaking up and stuff over nothing in particular. I'm exaggerating for comic effect, of course, but it, it's broadly true. Um, Australian Dan used to espouse this theory as well on, on in the early episodes of Hunt of Pod. Um, and it, it's as if you sort of kind of see it previewed on in Argentine stadia a couple of weeks before it starts to hit the streets, and that's certainly what happened, uh, particularly in the 12th round, which began with a, a 1-1 draw between Quilmes and Atletico Rafaela, um, after which one of Quilmes famous fans, I say famous in inverted commas, he's one of these guys who always appears on, on TV because he, his seat is, is right behind the manager's dugout, um, uh, like the, the Sikh guys at Old Trafford, let's say if you watch a lot of Premier League football, um, for example, um, and he apparently was, was saying to, to Kilbert's manager, Nestor Vivas, uh, former Nelson. Arsenal player, Nelson Vivas. Nelson Vivas, sorry, what am I talking about, uh, former Arsenal player, uh, Arsenal, not Arsenal, but Arsenal, um, he, he was saying to him uh, after the game that the referees, the, the referees are killing us. They're not giving us any decisions. Why, why don't you say something? Um, and Mivas apparently got pissed off with him during the second half and turned around to him and said, "Right, I'll, I'll see you after the game." And they met in the tunnel and Mivas just lamped him, uh, punched him in the face three times, and had to be dragged off by the police. Um, the the guy, the the fan, subsequently was in the papers the next day saying uh, he came up with a brilliant quote. He didn't even realise I wore glasses. As if that excuse <laughs> Right. I mean, if he sh- does that make it a difference, really, to, to how punchable you become? Uh, no offence, Ben Andres. Um, but uh, he said he wasn't going to insist on, on anything um, from the point of view of the club. He, he said, you know, he's human, he can lose his temper, blah, blah, blah. But of course, the, the club can't really be seen to, to do nothing. And in fact, uh, officially, it was Vivas who handed in his resignation. Um, a few days later, and Arsenal are now being managed by Blas Junta. Kilmes. Sorry, yes, I said Arsenal, didn't I? Yeah. You're quite right. Uh, Kilmes are now being managed by Blas Junta, um, who is a name that our listeners probably haven't heard before. Uh, Santi will know all about him. Yeah, Junta used, used to be a very 
famous boca player in the 90s. He used to have his own chant. Shunta, shunta, shunta. Huevo, huevo, huevo. Obviously means shunta, shunta, shunta. Eggs, eggs, eggs. Eggs. Or balls, balls, yes. balls. So that, that speaks a lot about his character, I, I guess. Um, he uh, he used to manage... Um, sorry? After he got appointed... Um, I read an article on I can't remember which uh, which site um, calling him with a straight face. It wasn't a, a satirical um, article at all, uh, referring to him as the Argentine Ferguson. No, me yes, and English he's Dan been a lot a lot of time in underground. Indeed, uh, English Dan and I are going to be planning an article probably during the summer when there's not so much else to talk about on all of the various Argentine managers who have been called the Argentine, the Argentine Ferguson. Ferguson or the Ferguson of Floresta or the Ferguson of Pinares <laughs> or wherever. Just for being um, there for two years. <laughs> exactly, yes, because not all of them merit it. And in my opinion, Giunta doesn't quite merit it either because it's not only uh, longevity that Alex Ferguson is noted for, of course. Um, as a football manager, he, he won a couple of trophies as well. Um, but Giunta is perhaps one of the more deserving because, as you say, it was 596 matches or something like that. At Playing for Boca. No, no, managing underground. Yeah, something like two crazy, like or five or years or something yeah. like that. Uh, he got a, a promotion um, to the second division in which Almirante is playing right now, um, and he he's very good. He's I think he's a very good manager. Mm. Um, and he, he he every time that Boca is without a manager, Shunta's name always used to come up. So I reckon this is his big jump into the Primera, and if he's good at Quilmes, then he's probably gonna get a. A shot at, at, at some big team. I think it's good at motivating players. Yeah. Like they mm. try to, to uh, uh, as players uh, usually say, to leave everything in, in the pitch and not to leave any ball uh, for granted and, and that, that kind of things. That not not only about the, the, the how to play, uh, uh, but to to leave everything in the pitch. And that's something that for me is key about him. That. Uh, to convince the players that they can and that they are he when he uh, um, one of the first days he was the he assumed as a, the as a as coach of Kilmes he said that Kilmes players were the best of the world well we we know that they are but for him it was a a, a way of, of motivating them uh, clearly indeed uh, their first his first match in charge was this the one 0 defeat to Estudiantes on Monday that we've already mentioned. Um, it was a very dull game. Uh, Pablo Galvia looked good. That was about it. But, you know, the only way is up for Kilmes. Um, and, of course, the reason that we're mentioning that is, is because of, uh, as much as anything, because of Nelson Vivas punching a fan in the face. Um, because the, the match, uh, the, the round, the 12th round, began uh, with that, and then it ended with a 2-2 draw between Godoy Cruz and Boca Juniors. Uh, this is a week and a half ago. Now this is on Sunday night, a week and a half ago. Um... Which, hmm, the timeline, let's see. Boca took the lead very briefly through Emmanuel Gigliotti just after the half hour mark, um, after which Jose Luis Fernandez very quickly equalised uh, for Boca, and very early in the second half, Mauro Obolo put Godoy, uh, sorry, Jose Luis Fernandez equalised for Godoy Cruz, who then went ahead um, shortly after half time through Mauro Obolo. Um, Boca had in the closing 15 minutes or so. I mean, Boca were by and large the better side. After that, they were pushing for the equaliser. Of course, they, they pinned Godoy Cruz back. Godoy Cruz got a very strong defence. They're very hard to break down. But all the same, Boca had three penalty shouts in the last 15 minutes or so. <laughs> One I personally thought should have been given. Um, it was uh, not entirely clear. There were people saying no, but Juan Manuel Martinez had, had run into. Uh, the leg quite deliberately looking for the penalty um, the, the, the incontrovertible bit was that the defender I can't remember who it was had, had gone for the ball, hadn't got the ball and had taken out Martinez whether Martinez was, had then deliberately run over the challenge is, is the bit that's open to interpretation I thought it should have been given but at the same time it, it was you know that kind of grey area where you can't really blame the ref either for giving it or not giving it um, Vocker were not, not too pleased that, that it wasn't given but Okay, they, they got up, they carried on playing. A few minutes after that, there was a challenge right on the 18-yard line, um, which the it was definitely a foul. The referee decided it was just outside the box, and so he gave a, a free kick on the line. Um, again, the, the controversy there, not really anything to do with the referee's call. It was just the, okay, 
was this inside or outside the box? Mm, no, okay, fine. So, so far we've had two uh, decisions that really you'd have to be wanting to look for controversy in, in order to find much, I think it's, it's fair to say. And then with the last action of the match, Godoy Cruz lumped, uh, sorry, Boca lumped a, a free kick into the box, uh, or a, a corner, I think it was. Um, somebody went up for it, and somebody else, I cannot remember who, uh, ended up just, I mean, tripping with both feet. Uh, Martinez again, wasn't it? Or was it Carruso yeah. or somebody? Yeah. Um, absolute stonewall penalty. I mean, there's no way it couldn't have been given. Boca out of penalty, which Claudio Perez rolls in very calmly. Like Why not the kill me? Good question. Uh, Riquelme said that he had um, he told Perez that he, 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 he was down as the taker but that he preferred not to take it because he just felt a, something go ever so slightly in his hamstring a few minutes before and so he didn't want to take the risk of, of, mm-hmm. um, of kicking the ball hard let's say um, right at the end of the game um, he preferred to make sure that, that he didn't injure himself uh, Claudio Perez rolled the penalty in 2-2 and that was it and after the game Godoy Cruz players went ballistic. Um, a couple of them tried to attack uh, Pablo Ledesma, I think it was originally, and then and then Riquelme. Um, I just couldn't work out where it at all. I mean, the TV commentators were, you know, making a big thing about this really controversial stuff as well. You think, but all three of the decisions were like, pretty reasonable. Yeah, what's, what's going on? And there was a running battle which ended up with the players legging it and. and Tried to beat each other up in the tunnel as well after the game. And Martin Palermo and Roberto Abondanciari, of course, the two Boca Juniors legends, complaining about referees always favouring Boca, which I find <laughs> quite funny. Um, but what's wrong with them? It's strange for a referee to give, you said, three penalties or two penalties? Well, no, I was saying there were, there were three possible decisions yes. in the last 15 minutes or so, of which I think he basically got, you know. There might have been cause to, mm-hmm. to argue about each of them, but basically you got them right. None of them yeah, were like, what the hell have you given that for? No away fans. Stadium full of home fans <coughs> in Mendoza. You award the penalty on the 48 minutes of oh, the second half. Oh, but away fans, Santi, because they were neutral mm-hmm. fans. Let's not forget this is uh, uh, the match. Of course. Um, but still, it's, it's just a recipe for trouble here in Argentina. You... That's what happens. You know? No, sure, but mm-hmm. I, even it's the TV commentators seemed to think it was massively controversial mm-hmm. as well. And then, of course, the way that it all blew up, it, turned, it ended up being controversial, but I couldn't really work out what they were. <laughs> of course, yeah, you've just thrown away a win and only got a draw against, against a side that they were probably at that stage still thinking of themselves as title contenders with. Yeah. Um, you're going to be a bit pissed off, mm-hmm. especially when it's a side who, who have got a reputation for historically throughout Argentine football for getting favourable refereeing decisions. Yeah. But, I mean, you know... Calm down a bit. Um, and then in the 13th round, as you've already mentioned, we had the Arsenal Gimnasia game, which ended 1 1, and uh, right at the end of it, not before, the, uh, not after the final whistle, but before the final whistle, uh, there was a massive brawl there as well. Because, yeah, um, there was a pique, I don't know, the, like a bounce, is that what you call it? Um, when there's a split ball and the referee doesn't know what to do, so. A drop ball. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, a drop ball. Um, and instead of just kicking it back to the Arsenal ground, this Gimnasia player tries to. Um, start a, a play with it. Uh, it was almost a goal for Gimnasia, so there's like this unwritten code where you should give the ball back, but still, it's like the 45 minute of the second half, you'd be stupid to, to give the ball back. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Arsenal players didn't agree with me, so uh, the guy, I, I can't remember his name, but the guy yeah, who. Nicolas Aguirre was the Arsenal player who yes, started. Yeah, Aguirre was Maybe it was Musi, yeah. Basically, gave him a headbutt, and then all hell, all hell broke loose. It, it, basically, it wasn't really a headbutt as mm-hmm. such. It was sort of rotting, it was mm-hmm. int- intimating that he was going to headbutt uh-huh. him by sort of butting into him with his forehead, but you know, um, rather than an actual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it, that was what started it all. Um, as a result of which, for the first time, I think this season, we have Arsenal players suspended next next yeah. week because we always talk about how uh, completely fair and even the referees are when it comes to refereeing Arsenal matches, especially at home. I was going to take something like that for any of uh, any Arsenal players to get sent off. Uh, Aguirre and um, Perez, Damian. Yes, Damian Perez, I think. And Damian Perez, well done, were sent off for Arsenal, and the referee managed to send off three Gimnasia players. I'm yeah. quite sure what was going on there. Bear in mind that this doesn't benefit Arsenal in any way because there were about 20 seconds left of the game. Uh, the three Gimnasia players sent off were Franco Musis, Gaston Diaz, and uh, Matias Garcia. 
so they're all going to be out for the next match as well. But after the rather lenient punishment that the AFA gave uh, the Godoy Cruz and Boca players who were reported by the referee post-match um, for, for their fracas, the, the AFA only gave them all one match each of suspension. Um, it's almost certain that the, the players sent off uh, for this last time, which included afterwards, though, there was a sort of that started, and then there was a big rolling fight around the pitch, including what seemed to be a few punches thrown at policemen yeah. um, when they got down towards the corner. It was very fun. Um, indeed, yeah. Um, I, I liked that Monetti's kick from behind. Oh, it was, it was very good. good, yeah, yeah. Always the. Uh, was was Monetti? Because it's, it's very usual for the substitute goalkeeper to be the one that gives the best kick because mm. he doesn't care if he's expelled or anything so he just yeah. comes running down <laughs> and gives this flying kick that's very typical and Monetti actually did like a flying punch which I thought was spectacular yeah, Monetti you know, is the Hypnosis main goalkeeper Monetti okay yeah. so it was probably the I, I uh, think, yes I think it was Monetti, I think it was it was Monetti yes. and he didn't get sent off no I think no. not <laughs> well it was a beautiful kind of flying punch uh, I think he may should have get gotten sent off, but maybe the referee said that was so nice, like such a nice yes. punch, like but UFC style. And <laughs> you were allowed to stay. <laughs> of course, this this magnificent rule that not allowing a away crowd to, to assist to the to the crowd to the stadiums is brilliant. It's clearly working, isn't yes, it? Yes, of course. Um, no, none of this uh, this would all be much ten times worse if. Uh, if away fans are in the stadium, that's the, the one cancer on the game um, for the upper. Um, so that really, that, that, that's the roundup of the, the last two uh, rounds, as, as good as we can get it. What we have now in terms of the title race uh, are Newell's Old Boys, uh, 27 points, Arsenal and Boca both on 24, San Lorenzo 23, Rafaela, who I think we have to still just about be talking about as being in the title race, right? On 21 points, 26 behind the lead. Um, and then Godoy Cruz and Ignacio on 20, Lanús Vélez, Estudiantes on 19. You've got to give it to Borrachaga once again. I'm saying this every single episode that I record, but still, with that squad, yeah. that, you know, it's, if, it, if it's not the least <coughs> paid squad in the whole Primera, then it's close. And yeah. for him yeah. to be this one, probably. Olimpo. Yeah. Could be. Surely. Still. Although they've probably got to, I mean, they'll probably have to pay their players a bit more to get them to get to buy a Exactly. Who knows? Exactly. And Raphael is not exactly a hub of great nightlife or anything, is it? Well, um, yeah. Indeed, and, and Raphael as well, we should say fifth, but with a goal difference of zero. That's quite impressive in itself. He'll score 15 and let in 15. Um, the Copa qualification is the other domestic matter that needs clarifying very quickly because, of course, this week we've got Copa Sudamericana first legs. This is the quarter-final that we're at now. Uh, we've already had uh, one of them, it was last night, and we've got another one tomorrow. Tomorrow night, Vélez play uh, Ponte Preta in São Paulo in Brazil. Um, they're away, um, and then they're, they're at home next week in the second leg. Uh, we already know, of course, that, that Vélez have bought the Copa Sudamericana um, he says with a smile on his face, and so we know what the, the result of that tie is going to be. Um, but the other, the all Argentine quarterfinal is Lanús against River, and because nobody really gives a toss about the Copa Sudamericana, it's being treated in the media here more like a playoff for next year's Copa Libertadores. Um, because whichever side manages to get through to the semi final um, will be the best Argentine side in the Sudamericana, all of that in inverted commas, because Vélez have already qualified. Um, via the league <coughs> which means that the winners of the Lanús River tie um, go to next year's Libertadores the losers very probably win as well because the losers if, if the champions of the Doneo Inicial are Newells or Arsenal then the losers of, of River versus Lanús will, uh, will also go to the Libertadores via the league um, so the stakes aren't quite as high perhaps as Ole would like everybody to believe um, but the second leg next week let's just hope it's a bit better than the first leg it last night boring which match. was was a very, very good Again, Rivers was an attack. Lanus' attack is either when, when they're playing sides who aren't too bothered about defending, they're fine. Um, when Lanus play a side who, who do um, have a decent defence, they're, yeah. they're not but, so great. But Anta got a red card, which may right be, at the end, yeah, maybe relevant for the second leg. What you can believe is that I heard Sabella saying, "Well, we will ha- we will have to talk with Romero if he." doesn't play very much in Monaco and we had yesterday, last night, a brilliant Barbero. It was a brilliant. 
Unlimitedly. Monkey Seam was very good as well. They should have had both yeah. goalkeepers were fighting it out for the man of the match, um, really. Uh, but Barrow Merrill pulled off some astonishing saves. He has had to do at various points um, throughout the season, indeed throughout the year. Um, he's been, that's pretty much any River fan who River's best player of 2013 has been, and it's Barrow Merrill. Or Wallander. Well, yeah, sure, Wallander as well, but I think most, most would put Barrow Merrill just yeah. ahead. Um, if it weren't for Barrow Merrill, they'd be in, in much, much more trouble. Al- Alvarez Wallander had, I think, the worst match, <coughs> of course. It's, it's a. Uh, it's not something strange for a player who who is 20 years uh, old and uh, it's his first season and, and he can uh, uh, lower his his performance. But um, uh, I, I think that it was uh, the, the the worst match Alvarez, for Alvarez Valente. I think since he 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 made his made his debut and uh, it's something that you can think as as a logical if if well he's 20 years old and. Mm-hmm. and and uh, the first season he's playing as a second uh, 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 back, uh, centre back, and well, uh, he's I think the the, the, the most valuable player uh, uh, together with uh, Barbero, and well, he and him and Barbero are the one the responsible I think players that uh, make that River uh, isn't conceding any goals because. He's not uh, scoring, but also they are not conceding any. Yeah, best defense in the whole torneo inicial, right? River. Yep. Yeah, that's seven in. Uh, joint best. Yeah, you're right. But uh, got on crucible side because they're seven. Um, which it's is why it's so frustrating they can't score. It's strange for Ramon Diaz team, right? I mean, he's known for this uh, attacking football, the well, reversion and everything. And but it's, it's not as if he's sending River out to play all-out defence and that that's why they're, they're not conceding. Um, the reason that their, their defence is much better than the attack isn't that they're particularly concentrating on it, it's just that their defenders are much better than yeah. their attackers. And, and, you know, the goalkeeper and Balante in particular. Um, you know, they're, they're trying to, to score. They create plenty of chances, they just can't But I reckon they have, they have talent in the... Especially in the midfield. I mean, Carbonero is uh, Fabro, for example. I, I in as soon as we started the season, I, I put Fabro as the worst signing. Probably, mm. like I, I thought he was gonna be a fluke, and now I really like the way he's playing. Of course, he still needs needs to get back game time, and his uh, his form needs to be better. But I think he's a brilliant player. Carbonero's been playing nice matches. Lanzini is in and out, but when he's in, he's very good. It's the forwards. It's yeah. just. Um, so the, the, the Sudamericana second leg is next Wednesday evening, so God knows when we're going to record under pod next week to try and, and do so when we know the results of that tie, at least, if not also the Vélez tie, um, but we will endeavour to, to do so. Um, yeah. And the other matter, of course, because that was talking about the copper qualification, wasn't it, domestically, is the, the relegation situation. At the moment, we've got four sides in a three-team relegation zone um, because all boys in Godoy Cruz have tied. They've both got 1.202 points per match um, or 107 points over 89 games. Uh, if they end up the season in that situation, they will play a one-off playoff game in, order to, in a neutral venue in order to decide who then uh, drops down into the division below. Um, the two sides below them for the moment are Argentinos Juniors and Olimpo, as I mentioned in passing earlier on. And then just above them we have Quilmes, Tigre, Atletico, Rafaela. And of course we've got to start talking about Racing in these terms as well. As well as Estudiantes and Colón. But both Estudiantes and Colón um, have actually got some points this season, which Racing have not. Um, so whilst Estudiantes and Colón are travelling away from the relegation zone, Racing are travelling downwards and into it. They're only three clear of Rafaela. They're only four clear of Tigre. Uh, they're only ten clear of all boys in Godoy Cruz. So they can very easily, as I said, get sucked into it by the end of the season. Uh, bear in mind, you know, Godoy Cruz have got 20 points already. This this uh, Toneo Inicial, Racing have got five. Um, it's not inconceivable that by the end of the year, Godoy Cruz could be above Racing in those standings. They can make up another 10 points on them, unless Racing improve drastically. It's, you know, um, unless, unless the Olympo result was the start of something big for Racing. This is what happens also when... <coughs> when the teams that get promoted from the second division are teams that should be in the first division in the first place and they're expected to, to do good. Um, like Gimnasia and Central, uh, they're doing quite yeah. good right now and you're expecting them to, to stay in there and it makes things very complicated for the teams that are actually uh, 
in the lower part of the relegation zone because they have a three-season uh, average working against them. Indeed. So for Argentinos, Godoy Cruz, All Boys, except for Olimpo, uh, the rest of the recently um, promoted teams are doing quite good. And even Olimpo could win a couple matches and, and get out of the, and get out of that area. And it's going to be very hard for uh, for for these teams to to try and get away from the relegation zone. Okay. Now that it's even bigger, you know, three relegated teams instead of just two and two promotion. Um, I was wondering, Santi, what you thought of... Um, the last time, I think, that we really mentioned him, or that you really mentioned him, um, on the hand of Pod, was, was to praise him when his side were, were up in the, the title race. Uh, what do you think of Carlos Lombardi now? Well, he won against the end of the season. Yeah. But, you know, as I said... No, we get as we mentioned, with a bit of a, a fluke, with a magnificent goal from, from Michel. Um, since when they, they got completely well, you know, well beaten by a Vélez side who aren't paying, really paying much attention to the um, uh, to, to the domestic league this season and their form. Since that that decent run towards the start of the season, and it has been interesting. Yeah, I still think that if you look at the at the table, most people I think weren't expecting Argentinos to be where they are. But they they need to be better than that because of what I've just said. It, it's not enough to just get a couple positions on the relegation table and hope for the recently promoted teams to to get relegated at the end of the season like they normally do. Because with Gimnasia and Central, you have to be it's it, it's it has to be two outstanding championships for Argentinos in order yeah. for them to get away from the relegation zone. And, and right now it's not outstanding. Huh? You still think Carlos Lombardi is that man? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I was never sure about that, really. Argentinos uh, have scored two goals in the last seven matches, uh, one of which was in the 3-1 defeat at home to Belgrano, um, and only, therefore only one of which has helped them to any points, which was, of yeah. course, the Vichalba uh, rocket against the Estudiantes. They, they have uh, uh, a friendly fixture from in, in the next two matches. They're home to Olimpo, then away to Racing, yeah. and then they're going to go away to Ignacio, which is going either way. But it's Caruso isn't. I think he isn't the man to to get a sixty-point season for Argentinos. I think he's he's more of a you know problem is fourth to seventh place. And I don't think that would be enough. Problem is adding to what Santiago said is that uh, about talking about Gimnasia and Olimpo is that as as they have recently prom- promoted, uh, if they win some. Uh, I don't know, two or three matches in a row, they will go up in the table, rela- relation table, and if they lose yeah, two or three right. matches, they will go down because they... We always mention this, the newly promoted yes, sides okay. are dividing their points yeah. by, um, yes. by by fewer uh, matches played, which which makes them much more dangerous if they can win, of course, with Olimpo, it's a much bigger if than with Gimnasia, um, let's say. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, it's something that I can deal with. But, be very but what he did in San Lorenzo, when uh, he was almost, almost relegated, uh, it was... Such a miracle that they put the San Lorenzo finally out of the. Well, they had to play the, the playoff against the institute, and they they saved the, the, their position. But uh, uh, I remember a match against News uh, in uh, San Lorenzo Stadium that they were losing very badly, and they then turn turn around the score with a Higliotti goal, I think. A, a header header from Higliotti. That was that was one of the goals in that match. That was that was uh, in that case, San Lorenzo fans. I think that they they thought they were re- already relegated, and then then they went up uh, rapidly. So uh, if Caruso did that, I think that they, he can do another miracle. And, and, and they are Argentinos is, is not that already relegated, of course. But I think that uh, uh, if the he 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 he's better when when they they have the. Like they are very, very uh, uh, almost relegated, and they have to, I don't know, uh, score six points uh, out of nine and something like that uh, to, to save themselves from from relegating. And He's more of a short-term yes. manager, right? Yes. This is a long-term goal or objective for Argentina, and I think Caruso. I, I'm. I don't think that he's going to be in there for too long. I mean, as soon as he gets a couple more losses, then he's going to see that the situation is complicated and make something up in order bail to out. leave, bail out, and go to a team that has better chances of, of, of you know, of another Caruso miracle. We shall see. Watch this space. Um, 
we're going now to uh, play some music and we're going to come back and answer some listeners' questions, so don't go away. Following Marcelo Barrovero's Man of the Match performance against Lanús in the Copa Sudamericana, should Alejandro Sabella call him up for the upcoming friendlies against Ecuador and Bosnia-Herzegovina? Similar to what Andres was saying here. Uh, um, regarding Barrovero, I think that he's having a, an excellent moment right now, but I don't think that he's an overall great goalkeeper. He's got a couple key disadvantages which I don't think that he could be a... Which are? Uh, for example, his footwork isn't... He's pretty bad with his feet. Mm-hmm. And he isn't, he isn't tall enough. I mean, he's having a great, great season that's impossible to uh, put into question. But uh, I think instead of calling Barovero, which would be a very, very popular move for Sabela, um, I think Caballero needs a chance before, uh, before Barovero gets his own. Definitely. Uh, Caballero's been... Amazing in Spain, just one amazing match after the other, and you know, of course, Barovero is a river goalkeeper, so he he's he gets more screen time yeah. here. But Indeed. I think there are a number of, of keepers in the local league who who could do a decent job as you know, well, who maybe could get a call up to the World Cup as say third choice, second yeah. choice goalkeeper yeah. without too much controversy. And Barovero is is probably the best of them at this moment in time. But I certainly agree that, that um, Cavachero probably needs to be given a call-up first. Yeah. Um, Andres? Yes, I agree basically with Santiago that uh, Wilfred Cavachero had uh, one of the, his brilliant matches was against Real Madrid, I think. Uh, he saved almost every ball. Mm. And same as Barbero yesterday who saved every ball. But uh, yes, the weakest points... Uh, oh, Talking about Barbero, as he said, is uh, the, the footwork. He's he he's not very very good at uh, with, the, with his feet, uh, but I think that Romero will have to to improve if he doesn't want uh, his his uh, uh, well to be out of the team. I think it's my opinion, uh, but clearly for me, Barbero at this moment deserves at least uh, an opportunity to 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 see how he uh, his a response to the to a, an eventual call up for the for the national team, but I, I I think that I agree with the commentators. I curiously agree with the commentators of the of Lanús River match uh, last night that Argentina has very good goalkeepers in the nas- in the in the torneo final, in torneo inicial in the Argentine teams. Mm. Marquesin, Barbero. Don't know if Orion because Boca uh, at this moment is not suffering so many so much, uh, but uh, yes, Saja, Barbero, Marquesina. Yeah, Yeah, but it's one thing to be saving shots from Lucas Melano, and it's another thing to be saving shots by Cristiano Ronaldo. So, I think that there's uh, yes, absolutely. I think that there's uh, uh, the wider point as well. um, It's just that a lot of Argentines are no doubt very relieved to have heard what Sabella said yesterday um, that he is going to need to have a word with Romero about going somewhere maybe that he can get more playing time if he still isn't playing much um, come the next transfer window because it clearly you know until now until um, Sabella said that yesterday I think a lot of people are thinking well Sabella's just going to pick Romero or whatever um, even if he's not playing a single game and I think the fact that Sabella has now said um, that he is you know aware <laughs> and gives a toss about the fact that Romero is not playing so much um, is it, going to put a few people's minds at ease I would imagine um, yeah we've now uh, that was an email question moving on to Twitter we've got one from Seba Garcia who says I have one uh, do you miss me like I miss you guys um, guys do you miss Seba? Sure I've never met him but I do miss him sorely there you go 
address? The same. I miss him even though I, I don't know him personally. I, I miss you dearly, Saba. Uh, but we do include you in the emails every week. So, you know, if you ever do want to sack off your wife and child and join us again for Handapod, feel free to. Um, Sebastian Weisbrot asks, you might cover this without my question. Do you think, first of all, that Racing's victory with Mustard Manolo uh, may change the course of their season, or was it exceptional? Good question. Um, I think it may be a change of tide. I don't think that Racing is going to be amazing from now on, but I think that breaking the streak, Sacarse la Mufa, as we said. Yeah, Sacarse la Mufa, it's going to boost their confidence. It's that the, the match they won against Olimpo it was more lucky that, than any other thing but when Racing wins a match and Marlon is the coach things can, can change rapidly in, in order uh, in terms of motivation but if we ask, uh, ask me about the, the game the play, how they play perhaps as, as Santiago said previously Racing had played before some matches which, uh, uh, in which uh, Racing didn't, didn't deserve uh, the, the defeat and they they lost the match. Mm. In this case, perhaps it wasn't the other way around, but perhaps that uh, that is what what Mostaza Merlo needs. Uh, like matches that aren't, aren't clearly in, in which Racing is not clearly better than the rival, but even though winning them, uh, that's that's key for me. I'm going to hold off answering that question for another couple of weeks. I think it, it, it might well be seen as a turning point in the future, but uh, one match is is not enough to, I think, take much evidence on. I, that, that has informed Mystic Sam's prediction as well, which we'll be hearing in a few minutes as to the Racing's next match, of course. Uh, Sebastian also has a, another question uh, asking, Newell's always play whoever Boca played in the previous round. Do you think that that's an advantage for either of them? Um, it happens we've answered for every this, team. Exactly, yeah, we, we, we've answered these a, a few times where people have noticed that this or that team are always playing whoever someone else is playing in, in, in the previous round. It's, it's done that way. It's not randomised in Argentina. I suppose, if anything, it could be an advantage for Boca because they're not playing a side... That, well, no, sorry, hang on. It, 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 it's not as much of an advantage for Boca as it is... Playing after the... the yeah, I, I, I would prefer to be the team who are playing the side who Newell's played in the previous round because the chances are they're going to have lost and therefore they're going to be a bit lower on confidence. Whether there's anything in this, on the other hand, is another matter. Um, whether sides who've just lost to Newell's then tend to go on and lose to the following team a disproportionate amount of the time... I don't know, but I would think if it's going to be an advantage for either of them, then uh, Newell's possibly, they're, they're going to be playing sides who more often than not just lost. I, I, think I, don't, that I don't think that it's an advantage for the no, I don't think really. I think that You have to play every team at the end of the year. So. I think that an advantage for Boca in this case is that they will always play after News have, have, already, have already played. In this case, News plays on Friday, I think, and, and Boca plays Always they play on, on Sunday, even... Uh, right, yeah, because River and Boca always have to play yes, on Sunday. Yes, there are 6-15 or... It's that, yeah. It's good to play knowing the, the other results of the week. Yeah. That's um, a yeah, Arsenal, good. of course, played first this week, and you can see that as an example yeah. as well, because if they win, then they put pressure on everybody else. They, 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 they all have to win immediately after them, Boca and Salarez, and the others have to win. Uh, so you can spin that anyway, really. Yeah. I think, a lot of the time. Uh, final question for the week is Tom Robinson... Um, not Tommy Robinson, thank God, uh, who asks, how is Pochettino viewed in Argentina? Um, has his good start with Southampton received much coverage? I didn't even know that he was in Southampton. I don't know if that answers if, if, if I Tom's didn't, question. If I didn't um, go out of my way to procure copies of Match of the Day each week, um, then I probably wouldn't have much of an idea how Pochettino was doing in Southampton. So that, that pretty much answers that question. Yeah. I'm English, I follow the Premier League to some degree. I follow my team in the Premier League. Um, and I, I wouldn't have been aware of it if it weren't for following the English media. So no, he doesn't get very much coverage how, in Argentina, how which is a shame. How good, how good is how they're good doing is start? Their first eight, eight matches of last season, they conceded 24 goals. The first eight matches of this season, they conceded three. Um, so they're doing quite well. And, and they're playing nice stuff as well. With uh, Pablo Asfaldo up front, the, oh. the yeah, yeah. Italian, Italian striker, the, the Oriundo. And in fact, I was just thinking uh, when I was watching a, a not illegally downloaded copy uh, of the, uh, the other night that um, it's remarkable how many decent managers there are in the world at the moment who are Argentine. Yeah, we talked about. I this. mean, outside Argentina, yeah. you, you, 
one of the frustrating things about the way that Argentine clubs always seem to go back to Mostaza Melo or Basile Basile or Ramon Diaz or Carlos Bianchi or you know it's managers who maybe okay Diaz and Bianchi are having reasonable uh, varying at the moment let's say degrees of success if Rivers' attack was working then I think Diaz would be under quite the same amount of pressure he is Bianchi is doing very well obviously but you know they, they always go back to the, the old mythical figures regardless of whether they're empirically actually looking like they're going to do much good or not um, when there are so many decent Argentine managers out there Blas is, is a possibility now he's got a chance in the first division uh, ok so it, it's a chance with a, uh, what I think most people would, would call a, a modest club uh, in Argentine parlance but it's a chance to try and make a point and yeah. after that who knows where it can go Barros Aquilotto uh, Subandia if he manages to pick himself up from the racing yes yeah yeah <coughs> exactly I mean there, there are many 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 to choose from and abroad as well as here Simeone is doing decently although a lot of people here are going to remember him for indifferent spells with, with uh, his clubs in Argentina um, Pochettino is, yeah. is certainly doing well but Sao no Paoli. Yes, Napoli, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, Pochettino's uh, spell at Southampton at the moment is not getting much coverage in Argentina at present. If they do particularly well towards the end of the season, I think it might start to pick up. Yeah. Certainly, when he was in charge of Espanyol, um, he, he was getting some coverage, mostly when they played Barcelona or Madrid, yeah. of course. But yes, we apparently talking again uh, with the Peruvian Federation Soccer Federation. Okay. In order, I don't. I don't think he will finally be the, the coach, the Peru coach. But uh, I think he was. Uh, I, I read that he was talking with the, the, the board of Peru Federation. Uh-huh. I think he, he should have. He should have been taken into consideration for Mexico, who are doing very poorly. Have gone through five managers in something like one month. Which is shocking for a national team. <laughs> it would be shocking for a club. Most national teams but, don't play yeah. any matches. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, he's meant to come back sooner or later. Yeah. Indeed. Um, moving on now, the uh, I'm, I'm going to play Mystic Sam's theme music um, after refilling my glass of water again and giving my throat a bit of a rest. Uh, thank you, Santi. <laughs> it's almost as if I dropped a massive hint there. Um, and then I'm going to read out what Mystic Sam thinks is going to happen this coming weekend. Okay, uh, the last couple of weeks I've uh, said, well, I did for the last one, of course, uh, for around. Th- 12 and not for round 13 because we didn't have a hand, hand pop before it but I, I've said the last few weeks have been relatively difficult to call this one I think that I've found that it's been seemingly easier again there are a few ties that seem to pick themselves this weekend Mystic Sam got I think it was 5 for round 12 which was the last one that you heard and then my predictions uh, for round 13 which of course I didn't do as Mystic Sam and I only got 3 uh, for round 13 thanks in part to some late goals, as always. Uh, but anyway, here we go, round 14. Arsenal de Sarandí against All Boys is an Arsenal win, yes, obviously. Colón against Newell's Old Boys is going to be the only away win of the weekend. Argentinos versus Olimpo de Bahia Blanca uh, is a draw, mainly because Argentinos have been so bad recently that I don't think home advantage is going to be all that great for them. Central against Atletico Rafaela, um, I think is a central win but if you want to see a match between two sides in really good form recently watch that one Central are unbeaten in 6 Rafael are unbeaten in 5 Godoy Cruz against Belgrano is a draw Gimnasia against Racing I'm going for a Gimnasia win I apologise Racing fans Quilmes against Vélez draw because Vélez have got two days to prepare they play Thursday night in Sao Paulo and they've got Friday and Saturday off, and then they have to play away to Quilmes on Sunday. Tigre against Lanús. Again, we've got the three Copa Sudamericana in both sides, of course, playing in the last three games, uh, or three of the last four games. Tigre against Lanús, I'm going to go for a Tigre win. San Lorenzo against Boca Juniors, the big tie in the title race for the weekend, is a draw, as is River Plate at home to Estudiantes de la Plata. Do you have any bones to pick with any of those predictions, Jens? Not really. Sound predictions, 
you always say this. I think <laughs> I think it will be draw. I think. For? Draw it. For which one? Reverse the Andes. Uh huh, yeah. Uh, but, and again, two good goalkeepers in that match. Barabero, but also Geronimo Rulli, who's about 19 years old. So yeah, next year. Promising. Promising. Um, He's meant to do some, you know, youngster mistakes now and then. But very promising. Future Barcelona goalkeeper. He was named uh, with uh, Guzman as well. As a possibility? Yes. Mm. In order yeah. to there's, there's a lot of talk here okay. about how um, Martino may call some up-and-coming youngsters from the Argentine league. Uh, it's it's a bit hard for me to see someone who's average or average too good yeah. in the Argentinian league than making the leap straight to Barcelona. But Taking you know. into account that Valdez, I think the last, next year his uh, contract ends and he will he will not renew. Well, Barca apparently have got an agreement with uh, this German kid, uh, Ter Stegen, oh. well, I can't remember his first name, um, from, oh God, who's he played for Leverkusen or something? Some Bundesliga side, whose name I've forgotten. Um, they, they've agreed to sign him, apparently. Um, he's only 21, though, so whether they, they're going to go for a more experienced, whether we could see Barovero keeping gold at the Camp Nou next season, <laughs> who knows. Anyway, those are Mystic Sam's predictions. Uh, the matches, not, not the Barovero Camp Nou thing, um, for the weekend to come, and we will join you again next week when we'll be looking back on well, I'm sure it's going to be another deeply violent and depressing week of Argentine football. We should do an Independiente roundup at some point next week as well. Um, for now, thank you very much, gents, for, for joining me. Uh, thank you, Andres. Uh, thank you to you. Bye, everyone. Uh, thank you and goodbye to Santi. Thank you and happy birthday, Diego. I love you very much. <laughs> Indeed. Feliz cumple, Diego, and goodbye from me. Goodbye. <laughs>